We are one tonight on Vision Christian Radio. It's Neil with you. It's the Tuesday edition of 2020. And a conversation coming over this next hour. Shortly, we'll open talkback lines. You might like to contribute. Another conversation around Christians and politics again today because we're just over a couple of weeks away from another Church and State Summit event, and this time in Western Australia. There's been huge success for the Church and State Summits in the Eastern States, and now it's the turn of people in Western Australia to have access to great speakers on the most up-to-date issues facing church and state relations. Christians are increasingly aware that the church is not apolitical, and there is a strong firm biblical foundation for God's people to be involved in politics. It's what shapes the values of a nation. Well, Church and State is encouraging Christians in every electorate to carefully steward political influence without blind loyalty to any politician or party. We'll have two guests today, but starting off our conversation with Dave Pello, who's founder of the Church and State Summits. Dave also produces and presents the Church and State Show weekly on The Good Source and ADHTV. And very shortly after the news, we'll invite Marika Groenwald, who is the leader of the Australian Christians Party in WA. But Dave Pello, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. And uh, wow, isn't James McPherson just so erudite? He is uh, perhaps one of the clearest thinkers and communicators that we have. And uh, yes, we're privileged uh, to talk to James regularly. And uh, we pick a topic each time, and there's lots of topics he writes about. Mm. uh, But we choose one each time he's on, and uh, we unpack those issues, and we always bring around that the Christian Foundation, because as you know, he's on Sky News these days, and yeah, you yeah. don't think of Sky News as being Christian, you think of it as being conservative. Uh, he, he's uh, exactly God's man in God's place, and uh, I'm, I'm very humbled, actually, that he always tries to come to the church and state events wherever they are in Australia. So uh, Perth in two weeks, uh, Adelaide in two and a half months, um, Brisbane at the beginning of the year, and, and uh, if I'm if I'm uh, fortunate, then probably Brisbane again next year. I saw him at the Church and State Summit earlier this year in Brisbane, and uh, yes, exciting to have him on the platform. And for listeners, if you've been listening and you heard his presentation just over this past half hour, uh, you won't want to miss someone like uh, James McPherson on the platform at a Church and State Summit. When I say things have been going incredibly well and strong, the Church and State Summit in the eastern states, and it's not just been Brisbane, but you've held these in different capital cities. Um, how's things been over this time now, Dave, uh, going strength to strength? Well, um, yeah, it is going well. We're, uh, I mean, we're not a mega conference or anything, uh, but we over 500 people coming to the conference in uh, Brisbane now in the eastern states. And um, what we are trying to do is be as available as possible around the rest of Australia. People are asking us to come, so you know it's a it's a huge cost investment. It, it's not it, it's not a small rally. It's a professional conference, and uh, we we fly in and accommodate speakers, and and we you know don't ask them to pay their own costs. We cover their costs, but um, you know it takes a and at the same time. We could charge a lot more for the level of quality that it is, 
um, and get in trouble. A lot of people say, how come it's so cheap? But uh, essentially, we're just trying to cover costs. But that does involve um, getting a, a modest number of people out there, you know, at least 100. And of course, the message is the gospel. And, and so 100 is not enough. I mean, 100, 200 will help us cover costs, but this is the gospel. Um, so Friday night um, this year in Perth and Adelaide, it's open open doors. So the whole conference has a cost, but Friday night is free for everyone. So every seat that's not sold, um, come along because we will be teaching what Jesus says about politics. So the Church and State Summit is really great for any Christian who's not interested in politics. It's not a political nerds fest. It is for Christians who are not interested in politics because praying for the outcome of elections and doing nothing about it personally is like leaning on a shovel and praying for a hole. In this kind of democracy, it, it's sinful to stand by and let everybody else decide the future, the justice, the the social standards of our neighbours. That's something God's asked us to care about and to steward. And steward means do something. Uh, if Jesus gives you one talent in that parable of the talents um, and you give him back one and haven't returned with an increase, he calls you lazy and wicked. Now, that's not us. That's not the people who come to the conference. And so many people just don't know how political the kingdom of God, Jesus, and the scriptures are. So that's what we're there to teach. We're there to just make it nice and easy. But Friday night is also good for people who are interested in politics, but not Jesus, because we're going to come and get them interested in, in Jesus by showing that, yes, the things you're interested in, as perhaps a political nerd, are things that the Bible speaks about vibrantly. Let's talk minorities for a moment here, Dave, because uh, people know that the numbers of those who are attending church on a Sunday, that number's been dropping. The number of people who are identifying as Christian, you know, we can tell this from the census, that number has been dropping to the point where people are saying Christians are now a minority in Australia. But our minority is not as small as the minorities that are setting the agenda right now. What are your thoughts here around the thought that there are very small minorities setting the whole agenda for the nation, changing the values of a whole nation here? Any thoughts here around the church being a minority itself, recognising where things are in context? Um, well, point of clarification, it's true that the number of people identifying as Christians in the census is diminishing, um, but it is stabilizing. It's probably not going to drop much further rapidly soon. Um, and that does not reflect the number of people going to church. So the National Church Life Survey actually has a lot more of a nuanced position on on spirituality in Australia um, than the census does. The census has a very blunt um, and shallow take snapshot of, of what's happening. And I think the, what the census reveals is that people who were essentially nominal Christians, dare I say fake Christians, um, people who had a identity um, much like somebody would say, I'm a Labor voter uh, because my dad was a Labor voter. So people have dropped off the census who identified as Christian simply because they were baptized and never darkened the door of a church ever again. So we're seeing that number probably be more accurate as opposed to reduce. Um, and the reality is that especially the evangelical and Pentecostal churches are increasing in church numbers and, and attendance. Um, as to where we are, 
the majority of Australians are still religious, maybe not necessarily Christian, because we are importing a whole lot of religious people care of immigration. Um, and, and so the number of people that are identifying as Christians is reducing and I think is now less than 50%. But the number of people who identify as irreligious or atheist is the actual minority by, by a long way. Um, so what's always been true is we can't impose our faith on people. But we certainly can impose morality, and all of legislation presumes to do so. In fact, the the radical left, godless uh, secularists are furiously attempting to impose their pseudo-morality on the rest of Australia, forcing us to use incorrect pronouns, telling us to celebrate somebody's uh, you know sexual uh, immorality, um, telling us to... Uh, profane the gender identity that God created. Um, that is a false morality that's being imposed on people. So uh, Christians not participating in this conversation uh, are not being virtuous by staying out of it because nobody else is staying out of the conversation. Everybody brings a morality to the political conversations we're having. Uh, it's just that Christians are the only ones who are humble enough to have objective morality and not self-referenced morality. What do you think about the thought that, you know, historically now, and we might be able to identify a bunch of people over the years, strong Christian leaders, and we might have classified them as moral crusaders. And somehow or other, we might have had a bit of a pullback on that because we don't want to look like moral crusaders, aren't we people with a message of grace? But the behavior of the Christian believer really is around issues of morality, uh, issues of how those values look when you're on the ground. Is there room, do you think, Dave, for a bunch of new, maybe a new breed of moral crusader, a Christian moral crusader? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, we got the cart before the horse by preaching grace first without an objective morality to be gracious about. There's no point in preaching the good news if there was no bad news. Jesus said this in John chapter 3 when he explained you have to be born again. He, everybody knows John 3.16 and, and some may even know 17, but few know John 3.18. John 3.16 says, um, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him might not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.17, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The bad news is in John 3.18. You're already condemned if you don't believe in Jesus. That is your default natural position. Uh, and without that message, what need is there for grace? You need grace because you're lost. You need grace because you're fallen. You need grace because you're hopelessly corrupt and wicked. And that's why we need government. It's because we know that without boundaries, and, and guide rails on the road of society, um, many, many people are going to veer off course and crash over the cliff because we're naturally inclined to be selfish and do things in our, in our own interest. Even the most libertarian of political philosophies in Australia believes that there is a need for government to, at the very smallest level, uh, for some kind of civil authority to stop us from harming each other and stealing each other's property. Uh, and that's pretty much what God said. Just love your neighbor as yourself and love me 
and uh, and that's a great level of uh, legal framework for your life. Now, all the other commandments are fulfilled, obviously, from that. They're not abolished, um, but it is that simple. So, It's simple and it's profound. And mm. interestingly, when we talk about politics, you've got the Christian believer saved by grace. And out of that salvation by grace has to come some sort of behavioral change. And, you know, just reflecting on Romans chapter 12, verse 2, you know, not being conformed to the patterns of this world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you might work out what God's good and perfect will is. So there's a, there's a behavior change in there. And it's not just a personal behavior change that affects only your family. Someone's got to step forward and say, wait a minute, the other families that are in my community. Exactly. The other people that are in my town, in my city, in my state, in my nation, they need to have someone who can be a leader in that space as well. I guess that's where Church and State Summit really comes to the fore because you're actually helping to equip people to be able to be a spokesperson for a gospel values change. Yeah, look, it is Christianity that is the hope of this nation and any other because it is the gospel that that redeems and saves and transforms. There is no system of government, whether you're in favour of capitalism or communism, socialism, democracy, monarchy, dictatorship, theocracy, whatever you name, if the hearts of the people are corrupt, they will corrupt whatever government they're given. And in democracy, that is certainly the case. Uh, if the hearts of people are filled with fear and self-interest, then they will elect people to look after those interests, fear and, and self-interest. And that's why pork barreling works. That's why election promises work. It's because voters aren't being analytical and Christian and theological about their choice of vote. The overwhelming majority of people are voting for their hip pockets and, and, they, and for the dreams and aspirations that they have. They want a job, they want a home. But the Christian's obligation is to not just think about ourselves. Certainly we have to care about our families, that's scriptural, but we also have to care about our neighbors. And so the the opportunity on, and the obligation to love says, I need to assess who the candidates are because the the principle of stewardship says, if Jesus had this vote, how would he use it? How would he get the best return? And what would he be seeking as the ultimate priority? And Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, talking about all our needs, and then all of these other things will be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God. That's got to be the Christian paradigm, and it's incredibly political. Well, we're going to take a break, and I want to open talkback lines too. You might like to have your own say in our conversation today, but right now my suspicion is that listeners, especially those in WA, might be scrambling to say, how do I get a hold of a ticket for the Church and State Summit. Yes, you know they've been successful in the eastern states. All of a sudden you have an opportunity in WA, in Perth, to have a Church and State Summit. Here is how you will find out the detail and be able to book a ticket for WA listeners, churchandstate.com.au, churchandstate.com.au. And our absolute privilege, Dave Pellow, who's the founder of the Church and State Summits, is our guest. We're back with more in just a few moments. 
A little bit of a preview today to what's coming to Western Australia just two weeks away, Friday the 4th and Saturday the 5th of August, a church and state summit that's coming to Perth. When you go onto that website, churchandstate.com.au, you'll find details, you'll find a list of the incredible lineup of speakers that will be there in WA, and you'll find out how you can book a ticket. Now, Dave Pellow is our special guest. Dave is the founder of the Church and State Summits. He's going to be there in WA. And Dave, you get to make a presentation too. It's not just that you're not just setting up a whole lot of other speakers. You're on the bill. What sort of things are you going to be personally presenting when listeners in WA book their ticket for the Church and State Summit? I should speak to the person in charge because I'd actually like to speak two or three times. I've got so much on my heart to share. But uh, what's really on my heart to share is the fact that Jesus is the answer. We have so much despair and despondency, mental health distress, uh, suicides skyrocketing, especially amongst young people. And, And the reality is that we have neglected the word of God, and this is why. If the hearts of the politicians and the voters return to Jesus, humbly rely on the blessings of Almighty God, we can turn this nation around. But in Genesis chapter 1, it gives us the clue to the sexuality epidemic and the gender epidemic. Uh, we have that that dysphoria and confusion, uh, which, which is very widely acknowledged as having significantly worse mental health outcomes than everyone else. But Genesis 1 tells us who we are. What we are having is an identity epidemic. Uh, Romans chapter 1 also says that... Um, that uh, basically people have sinned against their identity and, and who uh, people uh, who God designed us to be, and God has given us over to the lack of boundaries. It basically said, if you want to do what you want in a boundaryless, utterly and absolutely free society, have a look what that looks like, um, because God's way is best. It's a bit like breaking a horse. The broken horse, the saddled and bridled horse is going to be healthier, stronger, fitter, faster and live longer and happier with better nutrition and more strength. A, a broken, ridden horse under the guide and vision of a master can round up 20 or 100 wild, allegedly free horses. Absolute freedom is not all it's cracked up to be, but submission, even slavery to the will of God is amazing. But the thing that's probably really pertinent right now is that this kind of message will soon be illegal if churches don't and Christians don't rise up with an absolute fury about the proposed legislation by the Anthony Albanese government, which, by the way, is mirrored by the Liberal Party. They have nearly identical policies to uh, empower or force big tech to censor us for misinformation or disinformation, which is essentially defined as anything going against the government-approved narrative. This is not far from the criminalization of preaching the gospel. And of course, it comes down to unelected bureaucrats who will have the power to choose what is true and what is false or what is Uh, true information, what's false misinformation, disinformation. And that's challenging because when the wrong people are in control, then everyone is at risk. Correct. Uh, I mean, it's um, sad that we don't know enough history to have a proper fear of government with too much power. Uh, But this is exactly the path that all tyrants take. 
is the authority and the power to legally silence critics, opposition, and differences of opinion from the government-approved narratives. So we are now separated from an anchor being in truth. And when we start to talk about what is truth, it becomes everybody's own choice as to what they think is true. And there's this, you mentioned it just a few moments ago, this thought of absolute freedom. We want freedom from any sort of restraint. Uh, We don't want to be restrained by anything, especially that uh, big ogre that the Christians call God. Uh, People have been moving away from the idea of coming under God. But that in itself doesn't have a good outcome. Any thoughts here, Dave? Uh, Just only a few moments before we've got to go to the news, but any thoughts here on the separation from God's truth? And there's consequences, aren't there? Sure. Look, the the obvious evidence of what's really going on here is the the way the government is trying to sell this toxic legislation. It is trying to tell us it is for our safety. They're trying to tell us we're going to put boundaries and fences around you to keep you safe, which is very good of them to take all this power from us in order to benefit us, which is obviously cynical sarcasm about them benefiting themselves and not us. But the reality here, what's really going on, is voters are giving up one God who promises to give us boundaries that will keep us safe, bless bless and prosper us, and they are exchanging it for a false God, the government of state, the God of government. Uh, This idolatry is what's really going on here. We're going to continue our conversation after Vision National News. Talk back line open, 1-800-316-316 to join our conversation. Our special guest, Dave Pello, founder of the Church and State Summits. We're going to be joined by Marika Grunwald, who is leading the Australian Christians Party in WA. A bit of a focus, especially on WA, coming after Vision National News and churchandstate.com.au to register for the upcoming Church and State Summit just two weeks away. Wonderful to have you with us the Tuesday edition of 2020 if you're just joining us you're joining into what is something of a preview of what's coming in western australia western australia's own church and state conference the summit we're back talking christians and politics again today and just a couple of weeks away a church and state summit event in wa there's been huge success for the church and state summits in the eastern states, and now it's the turn of people in Western Australia to have access to great speakers on the most up-to-date issues facing church and state relations. Well, Christians are increasingly aware that the church is not apolitical and that there is a strong biblical foundation for God's people to be involved in politics. It's what shapes the values of a nation. Well, Church and State is encouraging Christians in every electorate to carefully steward political influence without blind loyalty to any politician or party. Two guests with us today, Dave Pello is founder of the Church and State Summits. Dave also produces and presents the Church and State show weekly on The Good Source and ADHTV. And joining us from Western Australia, Marika Granvold. Marika's been leading the Australian Christians Party in WA since 2016. Marika's focus, community development, politics and leadership. A special welcome along, Marika. Thanks so much for having me, Neil. Dave Pello is still with us. And I think before we go any further, let's take a call from Sue, who's in Kingston in Tasmania. Sue, a special welcome to you. 
Hello, Neil, and, and thank you for having this program. It's just wonderful. Mm. What are your thoughts, Sue? Um, look, I agree wholeheartedly with what Dave has been saying, and I just find it wonderful having it validated. But he did speak of a horse being broken, and it made me think that a horse is not broken, it's broken in, which is quite different. It comes under the authority of the, of the human being. And it made me think about how we are broken in by Jesus Christ yeah. to come under the authority of God. So there's quite a difference in wording, and it only needs one word to be missing for us not to get the truth of salvation through Jesus which my life has proven in the past. So just like... Wonderful thought, Sue. Uh, quick uh, thought on that from Dave. I agree with everything you said, Sue. You, you're totally right. That does help make it uh, clearer and, and less easy to be misunderstood. That, that's precisely right. <coughs> Pardon me. So, <laughs> uh, so not broken, but broken in. And, Mind uh, you, there is scripture to say, a broken and contrite spirit, O Lord, you will not despise. Uh, just just to play the uh, the scriptural advocate there. <laughs> well, you know, there's going to be all sorts of contexts which we might be able to use that terminology. But Sue, thank you so much for drawing that Thanks, to Sue. our attention. Uh, keep on listening, Sue. Sue, thank you so much for joining us. Sue from Kingston. And Psalm 51, isn't it? I'm not exactly sure. You've got a you've got a really great uh, memory for chapter and verse there. That's fabulous. I don't, but yeah. I happened to memorize that one as a kid in yes, King James language. Isn't it amazing what stays with us uh, from yeah. childhood? Hey, we've got Marika Granvold with us. Marika's been leading the Australian Christians in WA, and uh, for listeners, just to know how significant that is, because of course. Uh, there's been a demise of a lot of Christian-oriented political parties, but Marika has held very steady, and Australian Christians has continued to hold its own in the WA context. Marika, for listeners who are not so familiar, perhaps more those on the East Coast than the West, give us a little insight here into into how you've held things together and uh, and where things are at today for Australian Christians. Thanks, Neil. I mean, look, when you look at God's grace, just by the grace of God, really, uh, that's sort of been our experience over the last 10 years. And just faithfully ploughing the ground. Uh, you know, I always say to people, what you do in between election cycles is almost more important than what you do during an election. So, for me um, at AC, that's always been really important to make sure we're working in unity with a lot of the prayer networks, the organisations that are active, that we're involved in supporting lobbying efforts, of course, running in by-elections as we are at the moment. But, you know, a couple of years ago, um, God really challenged me and said to me that we have to rethink how we do politics. And so if prayer is not the basis of everything we're doing, if God has not given us that okay, that mandate to pursue, uh, then we just don't do it. So for us, we've just gone, all right, Lord, we're grounding all our decision-making in the word of God. We are prayerful. We are discerning. Uh, and, and really, it's been an incredible incredible journey with Jesus, even for me as a Christian, to have what I thought we need to do completely shattered and God brings the wisdom 
God brings the the strategies, and it's just been amazing. We serve a very faithful and God. And, you know, special honour to you, Marika, because when an election rolls around, uh, be it a state election or a federal election, you can always rely on Australian Christians in WA to have a policy platform that is well-grounded in the Scripture, in biblical truth, and uh, is there for all to see. So it's the sort of thing that's needed, almost like that, uh, you know, the attachment of that anchor in some words of truth. So special honour so, to you in that. Hey, Marika, let's talk WA for a moment because the Church and State Summit is coming to WA just two weeks away. No doubt yeah. there'll be a strong influence of things that are happening in WA. You've got your new Premier, Roger Cook, uh, as uh, Mark McGowan resigned, uh, it's a very yep. strong Labor uh, government. Um, where yep. do you see yourself in yep. the politics now in WA? What are the big issues do you think that are, are really confronting people who live in WA? Look, the most recent one um, has, of course, been the Heritage Act over in WA. Now, I'm not sure how many people have heard about that. but It's been uh, in the national news, been- yep. Exactly right. So you can imagine why this has caused absolute uproar because Mm. over here the Labor government are not interested in consultation, they're not interested in transparency, they're not interested in due diligence. So that has been a big egg on face moment for them over here. And of course, I know some of the the other members have been trying to get this uh, whole legislation withdrawn. Um, So that's been a really big one. And, of course, mobilising people around seeing why this could be problematic in the future, uh, especially in light of the referendum. So that's been a real hot-button issue locally. And then on on the Christian side, uh, we're seeing uh, amendments now uh, to our abortion reforms, the biggest in probably 20-odd years. So us, alongside many other organisations at the moment, um, are quite worried about these amendments or these proposed amendments. And, of course, like you said earlier, on both sides of politics, most MPs are agreeing to these uh, amendments in principle. So that's quite disappointing. Mm. Um, And I always laugh because they do say people get a conscience vote, but there's always this unwritten expectation how you need to vote. So... Even that in itself becomes problematic. But these amendments, quite big, um, a real big focus on even protecting uh, babies born, the babies born alive issue, which you've spoken about a few times. So just making sure there's an amendment in these reforms that do actually provide care for babies uh, who have survived uh, an abortion, sadly. So it's crazy to think that babies are being left in hospitals, not only in WA, but nationally. So there's some big things at stake uh, to get some of these amendments through, that's for sure. Big things at stake. And Dave Mm. Pello, when I ask you about Church and State Summits, there is going to be quite a significant focus on issues in Western Australia. You're going to be there in Perth. You've got a bunch of WA speakers and uh, Marika, one of those, but also you've got the Honourable Nick Goyran. Uh, You've got uh, Augusta Zimmerman. Uh, You've got James Parker. Uh, these guys, they're all very, very much going to be focused on WA issues, aren't they, during the summit? Yeah, definitely. So we, we I mean, there's national issues, there's theological issues, and these things uh, translate easily to everywhere that we hold church and state conferences because the kingdom of God is relevant and applicable to every political conversation. 
But the West Australian local issues, half the speakers coming will be West Australian locals. Uh, and um, we'll be having a dedicated panel. So each of them will be, will be speaking um, in their own right and, and having a, a short presentation. But uh, we'll also be having basically an hour-long panel where they will be on stage together without any East Coast outsiders, um, and they'll be talking <laughs> about the issues there. And the point is to arm Christians to influence culture, to make us aware of what are the most concerning aspects of what's going on, not just what's going on, but what are the details they need to know, and what does the Word of God say about it, and how can they be salt and light in that conversation. And Dave, we were talking about your presentation just before the news around issues about identity and freedom, really powerful issues. People making sense of those is so significant. Marika, you're going to be delivering a presentation at the Church and State Summit too. Uh, give us an insight into the focus you're you're picking up on. Yes. So, look, my heart really has been around uh, encouraging people to discern the battle as well. And I think I can only speak from, you know, obviously where God has taken me and, and what he's taught me. But it's sort of looking at series of legislations that have passed where the church, the body has had an opportunity to actually stand against these pieces of legislation and potentially see them not pass. So because we haven't been a, a mobilized, unified unit, we've seen a lot of these pieces of legislation pass. So that's one thing I look at. I sort of point to some of the historical uh, legislation in Australia. Um, and also very interestingly, the guy, Paul Rondeau, who in the 60s, was the marketer who was tasked with selling homosexuality to America. So the strategy that he employed around desensitizing people to the information, jamming them, then converting them, you see that strategy from, you know, all those decades ago still playing out today. So I talk a little bit about that. And then, of course, the encouragement side, that God gives us the strategy, God gives us the keys, but we need to stop playing games when it comes to prayer and intercession. We need to understand how important that is. So I kind of weave that all together uh, in a nutshell. We'll talk some more about that. Uh, bringing Dave Pello back in. Dave, there must be a lot of Christian believers who sit in church on Sunday and think there must be more to what I can do, maybe even what I felt called to do as a younger person, whether it's male or female. Uh, the thought that there are potentially sleepers, Christians who are warming a pew right now, recognizing that something's got to give and looking over their shoulder because maybe they feel like there's a finger pointed at someone, you know, over my shoulder and it's, it's actually pointing right at me and maybe this is a time to stand up, wake up and uh, to become involved, to be equipped. Would you say that there must be a lot of people like that within churches everywhere? Yeah, look, the research shows that most people in churches uh, are engaged in the important public issues that are that are being um, discussed in the media and in social media, online, the internet, the workplace, the office, and they're frustrated and itchy to hear the pulpit speak on these things. Uh, and the research shows, Barna Research has done very reliable uh, research that shows most Bible-believing evangelical Christian pastors 
know that the Bible teaches and speaks to these issues that the people want to hear on. The people want to hear about it. The Bible speaks about it. And yet there's this gap in pulpit content. And so uh, it's very, very important. And this is why the church and state ministry really exists, is to uh, directly equip the Christians who are not getting the content they're looking for in this area uh, from the pulpit. Uh, and there's a lot of content in theology and scripture to to deliver. But um, so we're, we're coming along not as a condemnation, but as a resource, as a supplement. Um, but we're also resourcing pastors. Anybody, uh, you know, pastors will occasionally call me and ask for help with sermons they're preaching that touch on civic issues um, because I can give them the Reader's Digest version really quickly, um, having done all the research and living in this place space permanently. Or, or point them to you know, places where they can do uh, targeted personal research. Um, but what people certainly want to do is figure out how to not just talk about it and watch from the sidelines, but actually be salt and light in the public square to practically live out the illustrations of the parable of the Good Samaritan, where our concern and the manifestation of our love as Christians, is other-focused. I know you're not pointing a finger when you say that it might be that it's pastors and priests who could be maybe not stepping up as much here. And, of course, pastors and priests, they've got a full... Uh, they've got a full challenge in just doing all of the elements of church life and pastoral care uh, that really sometimes mean that what happens politically is just another tag on the end. Marika, I don't know how your thoughts are about pastors and priests in WA. My suspicion is it would be certainly very good to have representatives from all of the different denominations uh, that are uh, represented in WA to have someone there at the Church and State Summit to start to get a, a handle on some of these things. But I imagine there's room for someone from every church to be there that might take some of these things back. And, and perhaps, and I, and I know it's not always going to be the pastors and the priests, but perhaps a few of those there would be useful as well. What are your thoughts here? Absolutely. I think a lot of pastors over the last couple of years have probably been more mobilised than they have previously. So in WA, it's really encouraging to see because as we've been tackling the Equal Opportunity Act over here and the religious education changes, uh, we've, we've really found common ground with people, faith communities from across WA. So I think there are definitely issues that are mobilising the faith communities more so than they've ever done, and Christians. Uh, now, relationship plays a big part of that. As Dave was saying earlier, you know, pastors don't want to feel like this is just another thing they have to do or think about. If we are equipping them, if we are encouraging them, making the information available, they know the heart that we share it in as well. And I find that that's been a really big thing in WA too. It's building the relationship, building the trust, and of course, just raising awareness uh, in a subtle way. Hey, pastors, have you seen this, this piece of legislation is happening? Just giving you guys a heads up. This is a, an amendment that's proposed. So even just being active in being a distributor of information and encouraging them to uh, be mindful of it, to pray. Uh, I've seen a lot of uh, that shift in WA as a result of just relationship, sharing the information. Um, and, of course, yeah, that, that does mobilise a lot of pastors. And Dave, 
Can I jump yeah, just to, sure. re, to recap that? Um, there is some finger pointing, but it's not universal by any stretch. Now, mm-hmm. Marika is an invited speaker at Church and State because she's really doing well. Um, and we're being hosted by a church that's really doing well. And so there's no finger pointing where it's not due. Um, in fact, I come to the defense of churches very often where people say, there is no church. I'm like, no, that's wrong. There are so many pastors who are bold in the pulpit, preaching undiluted, uncompromised, unapologetic truth of the word of God about the issues that you're facing. You can find those churches and they are not few. There's many. I could list them. There are churches that refused to close their doors, refused to discriminate between vaccinated and unvaccinated. But there are also those who can and should do better. And this is here not to pull punches and and say everybody's doing fine because it's not the truth. We have grown up in a context of religious freedom and even Christian popularity in culture, and that was last century. This century, we have a hostile context. Things have changed, and we have fallen asleep at the wheel. We've let the undefinition of marriage, the liberalization of abortion and euthanasia, the criminalization of counseling and praying for homosexuals and gender-confused people go through with nary a whimper from many churches. And Mm. it's time that we woke up as instead of just being 10 or 20 or 30 or 50% of churches, 100% of churches need to wake up and go, we're failing our neighbors by continually letting oppression happen incrementally. We're the frog in boiling boiling water and it's time we realized it's getting hot. When you say, Marika, discerning the battle, uh, this is something for every single person in every single church because if you're only... Uh, if you're only conducting your Christian walk in one dimension, uh, there's room here, isn't there, to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. Mm. Uh, there is going to be a gospel that needs to be proclaimed, but there also yeah. needs to be a nation that needs to have the truth of God. And so discerning the battle, this is something you've obviously been talking about a lot because this is what you're going to be delivering at the Church and State Summit. This is something we've all got to take stock of, isn't it? Absolutely. And I often think back uh, years ago, I was reading this book uh, and it was talking about, you know, this people, for people to, for laws to change, people need a revelation of morality and who Jesus is. So, you know, if you want to change people's hearts and minds, well, of course, freedom of speech is a big part of that. Protecting religious expression is a big part of that. Sharing the gospel freely is a big part of that. So if we don't have those components, we can't actually have laws that are righteous. So I often think back to that without the gospel, uh, there really is nothing to point people to. So uh, for me, it's central to everything. We need to encourage people and be more articulate and able to explain why we believe what we believe. Uh, why is it important? Why is the Bible still relevant? You know, for most people, they think of religion and, you know, it's so far removed from a relationship with Jesus. And mm. so a lot of people still have that concept. Oh, you religious people, you know, you just think you're holier than thou. But we're all sinful. We are all yep. we are all imperfect. But Human. how do we articulate and relate the gospel in the way that encourages people to have that change in their hearts, in their minds, and have a revelation of who Jesus is, not just religion. Well, especially for those listeners in WA today, 
uh, listening in to the passion of these two guests we have, uh, my challenge to you is to go on to that church and state website, at least arm yourself with the fact that this is on. And if you can't get there yourself, you need to perhaps let someone else in your church, perhaps your pastor or your priest, know that this is coming up. It's just a couple of weeks away. The website is churchandstate.com.au and uh, the Church and State Summit's about sound teaching on biblical doctrines of government, church and family. This is when it's on, Friday the 4th and Saturday the 5th of August. Friday the 4th and Saturday the 5th of August. It's going to be at a venue Uh, which uh, will be revealed to you when you have got your ticket confirmation email. There's going to be catering. I've been to these events. They're just fabulous times with the best speakers. And there's always uh, lunch and morning tea and afternoon tea. There's going to be a sender's dinner on the Saturday night, Dave. Give listeners just a little uh, inclination here as to what that does because it's going to be quite a significant event and it's for people who want to get really behind some of the issues here. Uh, the sender's dinner, really important time. Yeah, so there's a uh, a phrase in, I think it's the third epistle of John, where he says, you know, brothers, you do well to send these ministers on their way in a manner befitting of God because they don't take any money from the pagans. Um, it's up to us, the church, to fund. And, and so that's really the opportunity to, to say to people who can afford a little bit more, we've got a, an extra function for you. It's at a different location after the conference, and it's essentially a fundraising dinner, but we're naming it after the people that John called senders. So it's, it's a dinner for senders where we basically have all the speakers, as many as can still stay there in Perth uh, and and we basically have dinner with them. So they'll change tables and, and it'll be a bit of a, a hangout there. But it's basically the cost of a really nice dinner plus roughly $200. Um, as And that's a, a donation which goes to the costs and operation of the ministry. How do you grow and see something like this continue? It is going to take not only those who are buying a ticket, those who are making donations. It may even take someone who's a little... Uh, better off financially to actually get behind this too. And I'm sure, Dave, you wouldn't say no uh, to some good backers when it comes to the Church and State Summit. Now, this one we're talking about is on in Perth. Just quickly, you mentioned this one coming up very shortly, hot on its heels in Adelaide. 6th and 7th of October in Adelaide. And look, one week after we go to Perth, we're back in Brisbane and we're having a really great evangelical apologetic conversation one-on-one with Senator Malcolm Roberts. He's sitting down with me in front of a live studio audience in Eight Mile Plains, Brisbane, and he's going to basically interview me. We have a conversation mutually. Who is God? Look forward to that, and you can get the details at churchandstate.com.au. Dave Pellow, the founder of the Church and State Summits, Marika Gronvolds, leading the Australian Christians Party in WA. Marika, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us today. Thanks, Marika. Thanks, Neil. Thanks, Dave. And thank you, Dave. Uh, Look forward to another chat sometime soon, but uh, great getting your insights today on 2020. Thanks, Neil and Vision, for your constant encouragement.